0: Well, as most of you know, it is Communion Sunday for us today, Uh, that first Sunday of the month where we have a table-focused service uh, with a table-focused sermon. Uh, So word and sacrament uh, held together. And and in these weeks, uh, the message is really meant to to point us to this table. Uh, In a lot of ways, to, to set the table for us, as we prepare to share in the Lord's Supper together. And and one of the most uh, beautiful and powerful gifts of of the Lord's Supper, uh, of this table, is that it is a visible and tangible expression of God's forgiveness. And it's an invitation to come, to come and to taste and see, to come and to believe all the more the forgiveness that is ours in Christ. As I've uh, quoted uh, many times before, uh, J.I. Packer has said, "...just as the preaching of the Word makes the Gospel audible, so the sacraments make it visible and tangible, and God stirs up faith by both means." Well, a couple of weeks ago, we took a look at the Lord's Prayer, uh, kind of the the big picture overview, uh, looking at the pattern of prayer that Jesus uh, teaches us uh, in in that prayer. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at one verse in the Lord's Prayer. uh, The one petition that Jesus elaborates on, and it's all about forgiveness. Uh, We're going to consider verse 12 of Matthew chapter 6. Now that's going to be our key verse, though in just a moment we'll hear the entirety of the Lord's Prayer again, uh, and then also a little bit later, part of another passage as well. But before we uh, hear God's Word, uh, let's take a moment to pray. Well, our good and gracious Father in heaven, uh, we come before you uh, once again this day, this morning. And we thank you for your life-giving word. And as we come before you now, uh, we, we ask that by the power of your spirit, you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear, that our hearts might believe all the more and be changed as we encounter afresh your forgiveness today. And it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. So, I invite you now to hear the Word of God. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15. And Jesus says, Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And this is God's Word. Well, one article on forgiveness begins this way. Forgiving people who harm us is one of the most difficult things to do in life. And the deeper the wound, the more challenging it gets. We often feel confused about what real forgiveness looks like. Are we to forgive and forget? Is that even possible? And what exactly does it mean to love my enemy? What about the person who sexually abused me? Or the boss who furthered his career at my expense? What about the spouse or friend who betrayed me? Or the person who slandered me and damaged my reputation? Again, forgiving people who hurt us is one of the most difficult things to do. In fact, truly forgiving others really isn't possible unless we are living in light of God's forgiveness ourselves. And you know, we all struggle to forgive, all of us. And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray about forgiveness, to come to the Father and to ask for forgiveness. And to empower us to forgive. And when I think about it, and just did this past week, I can think all too easily of times that I struggle to forgive. Uh, Times when I've been hurt, uh, then quickly it it turns into anger. It begins eating away at me, even even when I'm praying to forgive. And it seems often at those times that my only accomplishment is a growing anger. And when left unchecked, can easily become resentment, then develop into bitterness, and eventually hardness of heart. Hardness of heart toward others, hardness of heart toward God. And so, again, we all struggle to forgive. And so, Jesus wants us to learn to pray about forgiveness. But before we continue, uh, let let me ask you this question. And I really do. I'm going to give you a, a few moments to think about it. But who in your life needs to be forgiven? Who in your life needs to be forgiven? So think about that for a moment. Well, hopefully a name or two uh, came to mind. And of those names, did your name come to mind? Did your name come to mind? Because notice how this petition begins. It begins with our focus on God, asking for Him to forgive us. You see, before it's about our forgiveness of others, it's always about the Father's forgiveness of us. In fact, that's the direction of this petition in the prayer. God to us before us to others. And so as I reflect on that, I realize that the problem for me is is that too often I'm just so focused on, on that person that has hurt me. That that too often I'm not focused on the person, capital P, on the one who has already forgiven me. I'm not seeing the cross. I'm not seeing my, my present ongoing need of Jesus. I'm not receiving His provision. I'm often missing the first part of the petition about the one who forgives us. Because you see, there are two parts to this petition in the Lord's Prayer. Father, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And the second part is grounded in the first. And so what we're going to do today as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, is we're going to focus on the first part. Uh, We're going to focus on God's forgiveness of us, And then together, we're going to come to the table and taste and see that forgiveness. Father, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So here in verse 12, uh, we encounter two key words, debt and forgive. And and each of these is repeated twice in this one verse. Well, in studying these two, two words, here's some of what I found. The word translated debt in Matthew 6:12 always denotes something which is owed, something which is due, something which is a duty or an obligation to give or to pay. The word used here in Matthew's version of the prayer comes not from the religious realm of life but rather from the commercial realm. In its narrowest sense the word refers to a financial debt. Uh, More widely, it refers to any social or moral obligation that's a person's duty to discharge. Okay, then there's the word forgive. And the word forgive does not come from the religious realm either, but also from the world of commerce. At its root, it means to cancel, to wipe the slate clean, to erase numbers in a business ledger. And so Jesus is teaching us to pray, Father, Father in heaven, forgive us our debts. Erase from the ledger every failure of duty and love toward you and toward others. Cancel the debt that we have. Wipe it clean. So where does our debt come from? Well, I know, that, I know you already know, our, our debt comes from our sin. That's where our debt comes from. So years ago, a man by the name of Cornelius Plantinga, he wrote a a wonderful book entitled, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be. Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, A Brevery of Sin. And and I'll tell you, it was probably the most uh, intriguing, fascinating, engaging theology book that I read during my time in seminary. And I go back to it a good bit. Uh, But Plantinga says this about sin. Sin is not only the breaking of law, but also the smearing of a relationship. The grieving of one's divine parent. The betrayal of God. And then he goes on to say, sin is human vandalism. Human vandalism of God's good creation. And though all sin is not equally evil or harmful, all sin is equally wrong and damning. And we're all guilty. We're all guilty of sin. We all know it. All deserving of God's displeasure, anger, wrath which means that we are all in desperate need of God's forgiveness. And what we discover is that that forgiveness actually comes to us through Jesus and through him alone as a gift. Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Well, again, this is the only petition of the Lord's Prayer that that Jesus singles out for further comment. And He does so uh, right after giving us the words of the Lord's Prayer. We read them just a moment ago, and I'll uh, read them again. Uh, Verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And of these verses, biblical scholar John Stott clarifies. He clarifies by saying this. This certainly does not mean that our forgiveness of others earns us the right to be forgiven. Nor does it mean that we aren't saved if we're struggling to forgive. It is rather that God, in the end, only pardons the truly repentant. And that one of the chief evidences, one of the primary fruits of true repentance, is a forgiving spirit. A posture of forgiveness. So do you remember Peter's question to Jesus about forgiveness? I mean, really, whether explicitly or implicitly, it's the same question that many of us ask God from time to time. How many times? How many times do I have to forgive this person? Peter asks, Jesus, how many times must I forgive others when they sin against me? So you remember the question, but do you remember Jesus' answer? So Jesus answered with the parable of the unforgiving servant, uh, which echoes really is an elaboration of these two verses immediately following the Lord's Prayer. So the parable of the unforgiving servant, uh, Matthew chapter 18, and Jesus tells the story of a servant who owes the king 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was worth 20 years' wages. Okay, so if you're doing your math, and at least if I've done mine correctly, that is over 200,000 years' worth of wages. Billions and billions and billions of dollars. Okay, so clearly Jesus is using hyperbole here. He's telling a story, a parable to make a point. And the point that he is making is that this debt was so enormous that it could never be repaid. And so this servant, I mean, he's afraid. He, he, He falls down crying out for mercy, pleads for forgiveness. And then to his delight, the master cancels his debt, lets him go free. And so then on the way home, the forgiven servant runs into somebody. He runs into a, a fellow servant who owes him some money, owes him a hundred uh, denarii. And a denarius was worth one day's wage. And so basically owes him about a third of a year's wages. So not an insignificant amount of money, but way less and something, in fact, Doable. So, this, this second servant just pleads, Give me time, I will pay you back. And despite this similar plea for forgiveness, the first servant denies it. Denies forgiveness to the second. In fact, demands payment right then and there. And when that second servant isn't able, isn't able to pay it, he has the debtor thrown in jail. So, picking up, verse 32 of Matthew chapter 18. And again, this is Jesus telling the parable. And He says, Then the Master summoned the first man and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with Me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive others from your heart. Well, commenting on this uh, parable, uh, Jerry Bridges writes, Clearly we are represented by the first servant who owed 10,000 talents. The first sum of money represents our moral and spiritual debt to God. And regardless of how moral and spiritual we've been, the debt of our sin is astronomical. Way beyond our ability to pay. And then Bridges goes on to say this. The offense against God's glory by our sin... The offense against God is determined not by the severity of our sin, but by the value of God's glory. Okay, let me say that again. The offense against God is determined not by the severity of our sin, but by the value of God's glory. Okay, so for example, let's just say that I I, I spill a glass of wine, red wine, onto two rugs. Okay, we, we, we sang about the crimson stain earlier. So now there's a crimson stain on two rugs. One is a Walmart rug, the other a fine Oriental rug. Uh, one a 10 to $15 rug, uh, the other a rug worth tens of thousands of dollars. Same act, same stain, but vastly different value between the two rugs. And you see, the extent of the damage is determined not by the size of the stain, but by the value of the rug. And in the same way, the offense against God is determined not by the size of our sin, but by the value of our God. And so, whether small sin or big sin, we all continually sin. And every sin that we commit, regardless of how insignificant it may seem to us, every sin we commit is an affront to God's infinite glory. And yet, there's amazing news. The amazing news that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. The amazing news that Jesus would pay the penalty, would pay the death penalty due for our assault on God's glory. So that our debt could be canceled fully and finally at the cross. And, friends, that is amazing grace. Amazing grace. And it all begins with the Father's heart toward us and Jesus' heart for us. Through faith in Jesus and his finished work on the cross, we are forgiven. Forgiven and accepted by God because of His great love. And here, here at this table, we are reminded of that great love. For here at this table, we receive a visible and tangible expression of God's grace to us. Of the Gospel. Of this great love that saves us. And Jesus invites us to come, to come, taste, and see, and believe. Amen? Amen.